thanks to the worship team and the tech team for, for providing our time of, uh, of worship today. And uh, as we get started uh, looking into the Word, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, you heard me uh, do a talk on this idea that we are in this season of reset. And uh, certainly there's so much, change is one of the constant things in our life, but certainly with, uh, with, the, pan- with the pandemic and some other factors that are happening in our culture, we find ourselves in this place of change. But even as we experience uh, change to that great degree, we notice that that there are some things that are unchanging. And we reminded you what we are about as a church. And what we're about is reflected in our mission statement. Our mission statement is simple. It's to help people follow Jesus together. That's what we're about always. That's what we were about uh, six months ago. That's what we'll be about six months from now, is that we want to help people follow Jesus together. Uh, a verse that drives us to think that is what Jesus said in Luke 6:40, when he said, "Are students better than their teacher?" Of course, the answer to that rhetorical question is no. But when they are fully trained, he continues, they will be like their teacher. And so we want to become like Jesus. And I've introduced to you in the past and even uh, in the recent uh, weeks this idea of a three-dimensional type of followership, of discipleship, that we live in this up, in, and out reality. And so oftentimes, whether you're online or you're here on campus, you'll see uh, something that we often call the pick or the shield. And it's it's where those three concentric circles that represent those three dimensions of our discipleship, the up with the Father, the in with each other, and the out to the world, when they all cross over and when we're not walking in only one or only two of those dimensions, but when we're walking in all three, we're, we're like in the sweet spot. And so that, that, that symbol has become iconic for us in that it represents what we do as in, in our mission. Uh, we're reminded, like, like John said to the, to the followers after uh, Jesus ha- had left the earth, John said, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And certainly Jesus lived in that up component with his father. He lived in the in component and he lived in the out component to the world. Uh, last week, we began by looking at that, that outward focus that we want to have as ambassadors, as missionaries living on mission with Jesus. And today, we want to focus on that, that in component. We want to focus on what does it mean for us to live as the family of God with brothers and sisters. And as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, and if you, as you've heard me say in the past, if you're a regular part of Calvary, we believe this, this one word really helps us to understand what it means to be in this family, uh, what, it's, what it's really all about. And that's that word, that Greek word koinonia. Koinonia is a word that it, it's such, it has such deep meaning. It's, it's such a, a weighty word. It means fellowship, association, community. It implies intimacy. It, it refers to the joint participation uh, that, that we have. That, that is that the share that you have in something. It's the word that we use that actually give us, gives us our English word communion. And so when we come together and we practice Holy Communion, it's actually a reminder that we're doing that together as the family of God. That word, uh, uh, that word koinonia, I think, is, is if, we would, if we would try to find one thing that's most descriptive of what does it look like to live in koinonia, I would suggest to you that it's the simple word love. Living in koinonia is all about living in love. And I would suggest to you that when we look at that from Scripture, this is not some secondary or tertiary element of Scripture. Love is a prime part. Loving in the family of God is a prime. It's a central. It's a chief. It's a main. It's an important aspect of our faith. 
Jesus himself said that the second commandment was this in Mark 12, 31. Love others as much as you love yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I care quite a bit about myself. <laughs> Sometimes a little bit too much. And, and, and Jesus calls us to, in the same way that we, we care for ourselves, we care for our bodies, we care for our minds, we care for our emotions, that our, our hearts should be to care for others as much as we care about ourselves. Love others as much as you love yourself. That's the second commandment. The first one, of course, as many of you know, was to love God with basically your entire beings, and the second was to love others. So he, Jesus, in, in this reality, actually made it almost this, this new, uh, fresh command that he gave to his followers. He said so much uh, uh, in John 13, 34. He said to those, those, those first followers of his, I, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, and you th just let that sink in for a second. As much as I have loved you in the manner that I have loved you, we know how much Jesus has loved us. He loved us enough to give his very own life. Just as I have loved you, Jesus says, you also are to love one another in the family of God. And the writer John, not in the gospel, but later again, says to those, those that, that first generation of followers of Jesus this, now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another as he commanded us. And so you saw in all three of those, of those verses that I just uh, shared with you is that that word command or commandment is present. It's actually the Greek word intole. It means it, uh, something that's an authoritative prescription for our life. Some people would refer to it as technically as an injunction. So think of it as an order, a command, a charge, a prescribed rule. That's what that means. This isn't just something like, hey, you know, if you can squeeze it into your life, this is a little bit of a suggestion for you, but, you know, don't take it too seriously. No, from the words of Jesus himself and so often from the writers of the New Testament, we find this idea that loving one another is of prime importance to our faith. So that's what really becomes the driving force for what koinonia is all about that we love one another. It is that prime, chief, important thing. The second thing I would say about this idea of living in koinonia as we love one another is it's a response. Just as all three dimensions are really a response to God's incredible love for us, we live our lives in the family of God in relationship with, with one another out of this new identity that we have in Christ Jesus. John again says in that same letter in chapter four of 1 John, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, if God loved us like the, the way that he did, then we also must love one another. He says in just a few verses later in that same chapter, we love because he first loved us. Why do we value other people in the family of God? Why do we love them? Why do we uh, observe that, uh, that second commandment that we would love others as much as we love ourselves because we recognize that we, it's, uh, and, and I understand that, that in one respect, you could almost look on it as like this, this obligation or this duty. But instead of seeing it like that, it's this opportunity to reflect the love of God to others in the same way that he has loved us. So we're responding to his love, saying, man, as I think about in the way in which God has loved me with this unbelievable mercy and grace and kindness and compassion, then I'm, I'm kind of like implored and, and, and compelled to live that life of love in the family of God. So it's something that we do as a response. In fact, I would say that the, 
that I, I'm not suggesting that there aren't people who, who, are, who have never received Christ who don't have love for each other. I recognize that, that, that capacity for a human love does exist. But I would say that the love that we have in the family of God is unlike any other love that, ex- that is experienced in human-to-human relationships because it's based in the love that God has for us. And as that love that God has for us informs all of our relationships, those in the family of God, those in your nucle- nuclear family, your friendships, your significant others, any, any relationships that are informed and become a response out of the love that God has first, that had first for us, I believe will make that love something unique, something special. It's, a, it's the type of love that God would want all of us to receive from each other and to give to one another. So it's a response. Third, I would say, say to you that love in the family of God is something that's integral to our faith. Uh, in other words, that, that word, when, if you look it up, you'd see that it, it, if something is integral, it means that it yields a certain sort of completeness. It's something that's necessary to, uh, to kind of fill something out. And I think that's what love, again, in the family of God does for us in our faith. In First John, again, chapter 4, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. As we love one another, as we value one another above above ourselves, as we observe that commandment, as we respond to the incredible love that God has for us, we recognize that there's something that where our faith becomes uh, even more complete as we walk more deeply in the love that God has for us by exhibiting that love to other people. And as such, the, 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 the next thing I would share with you is love is an indication of spiritual maturity. It's an indication of our spiritual growth, of our spiritual development. In other words, I think love shows progression in your faith. Love shows that you are moving forward in your faith. There's a little bit of a longer passage from 1 Peter chapter 1. It's verses 22 and 23. I want to share that with you to kind of so you can see that a little bit this idea of how, of how when, we, when we grow in love, we're actually growing in spiritual maturity. Peter writes to the believers there and says this, Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so you have received purity because you have received the gospel and you, you have obeyed the gospel, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other. So that first phrase there, Peter's saying, listen, you have received the, the, the truth, you are obeying the truth, and because of that, you have this sincere, and that, that word is anipokritas, it means without hypocrisy. So the prefix ah means without, or, or it's kind of a negation. And so the word hypocritas referred to one who was an actor who, who played uh, a particular part. And uh, Peter's writing to these believers and saying, you're not, you're not just playing the part as it relates to love. That's why we translate it oftentimes in our English Bibles as sincere. So it's not something fake. It's not something feigned. You're not play acting. But instead, it's sincere brotherly love for each other. Now, you would think, well, that's probably enough, right? You got this sincere brotherly love for each other. I'm loving my brothers and sisters. He actually elevates the call a little bit if you follow the rest of the verse. So from a pure heart now, he says, Love one another constantly. The word there is ektenos. It, it, it actually, it comes from a verb which means to stretch out the hand. And so by implication, it implies when th- this word, it, it's kind of hard for us to translate into English, but it's this idea of stretching out. And so it's come to mean like in a figurative manner, like earnestly, intensely, fervently. 
So he's already affirmed them for this sincere, not fake, brotherly love that they have one for, the, for each other. And now he's calling them to even progress more deeply so that they love one another. Our translation says constantly. Some translations say earnestly, fervently, intensely. Why? Again, pointing back to that response. Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of Im- imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. When we grow in love, it is giving an indication of our progression in our walk with Jesus. Paul alludes to that very fact in 1 Corinthians 13 when he talks about, if I'm able to do these miraculous, wonderful, marvelous things, but I don't have love, then there's a problem. The lack of love is never a substitute for all these other kind of things that happen. And so this this essential aspect that love become a very foundational element to the way in which we relate to one another is something that, again, allows us to progress in our faith. It shows that we are growing up in our relationship with Jesus. The last kind of big point I'd make about this idea of love is it becomes the confirmation. It becomes like almost like proof or evidence. Again, the words of Jesus himself found in John 13, 35. By this, all people, everyone, will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how they'll know. This is what they'll see. They'll see the way that you relate to one another. People outside the church, people outside the faith, people within the faith, everyone, all people, Jesus says, when they see the way that we love one another, when they see the way that we prioritize for one another, when they see the way that we are growing up in our faith and our love is actually progressing in its depth to the point that we're, again, stretching out to one another earnestly, fervently, all the time to be there for one another. When, when the world sees that, they'll say there's something different about the way these people care for one another. So it becomes that confirmation. It is a demonstration of our progression in faith. It's a response to this incredible love that God has for us. And ultimately, it is something that is chief. It's key. It's main. It's a prime part of our faith. So this idea of love, if that, uh, this idea of, of koinonia, if it's going to be realized, it's going to be built on love, and that means it's going to be built on the fact that we are going to make a commitment to intimacy with one another. Now, there's lots of levels of intimacy, right? There's the kind of intimacy that you, you have, a very, very low level, or maybe you know someone, they're kind of an acquaintance, and maybe they're becoming a friend. There's people that you have that are, that are close friends. Then maybe you have your best friend. For some of you, you might have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. There's a way that parents feel about their children. There's all sorts of levels of intimacy. And I would suggest to you that that in the family of God, we're called to a level of intimacy that's different than just, oh, yeah, we go to the same church. Oh, yeah, we're in the same youth group. Oh, yeah, we're in the same DU class. There's nothing wrong with those things, but I would suggest that if we really want to experience that, that type of koinonia, we really want to experience that kind of love, then that intimacy is going to have to grow. That means we're going to have to take risks with people. We're going to have to let people get kind of beyond the, 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 the walls that we build up. And I recognize that that risk sometimes is great. I get that. We might get disappointed. We might share some things and people let us down. We might share some things and we find out that someone gossips about us. 
I would never suggest to you that there's no risk in that happening because that happens way too often, yes, even in the family of God. It's not right, but it happens. But I don't think those challenges, those challenges of what are they going to think about me or what might they say to someone else about me, I don't think those challenges are necessarily the things that should keep us from taking that step, taking that risk, to engage in the kind of intimacy that God wants us to have in the family of God. The second aspect of that whole idea, if we're, if we're going to achieve that kind of intimacy, is we've got to be invested. We've got to invest in one another. That's going to take time. We, we, <laughs> this is not going to happen overnight. And so, again, by prioritizing someone else, it's about us making an investment in someone other than ourselves. It's about us making an investment into someone else who is on with us on this journey. That's why we say in our mission statement that we're here to help people follow Jesus together. Not just give them information so that they can do it on their own. No, we're invested in one another because we walk this path of discipleship together. So if intimacy is missing, you know, of course, koinonia is not going to happen because love is so central and primary to the whole building of koinonia. And if we're not invested in one another, then again, I don't think koinonia can happen. You know, one of the things I, I wanted to do today was uh, invite a friend of mine and a, and, a, and a co-worker of mine, Bobby Lee Barr, up to, to talk with me a little bit about this. Bobby Lee is our director of community life, and she's been on the job eight or nine months. And, uh, and of course, a lot of that time now has been since the, since the pandemic hit. And so I, I wanted to just talk with her a little bit about the way in which she's seeing God at work in our community as we uh, relate to one another and try to live into koinonia. And also maybe some, uh, give us a little bit of a challenge toward how we can take uh, next steps in that. So I'm going to do that right now. Come on up, Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee, good morning. Good morning. Great to see you. Thanks for joining me up here today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Certainly, we love to be outside today with a group of people, but uh, I'm not going to lie, the air conditioning feels kind of nice, right? Yes, I mean, it's like Mississippi heat out there. I know, exactly, like home for you, exactly (laughs) right. Yeah. So, Bobby Lee, you've you've heard uh, what kind of I've been talking about a little bit, and uh, I appreciate you coming up and kind of sharing with us. So, uh, I guess kind of the first thing is, just wanted to ask you, um, in, in, in your uh, time here on, on staff at Calvary, what are some of the, what are some of the, most re- uh, some of the recent stories where you've seen people really uh, taking that step of investing in one another? Some, some things that we can really celebrate about how the Calvary family is, is really experiencing that kind of koinonia that I've described. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I'll say for me personally, like I am grateful that I have the honor and the joy of getting to hear a lot of those stories. People email me or text me or share with me um, different ways all, all the time that they're connecting with others. Yeah. And in particular, in response to your question, I think of the Carollo family. Hmm. So the Carollo family is a preschool family, a PCA, and uh, several months before COVID had started, uh, the preschool teachers, people in the class, were inviting them to participate um, at Calvary and, and to join us for worship. And and through that, uh, over, as months passed, we found out that they were expecting, and not only were they expecting, but they were expecting triplets, <laughs> which came to a Huge, shock right, to yeah. them as well as everyone else too. Right. And um, as she was going th- to appointments and things like that, she 
uh, went to an appointment. She was sent to a, a high-risk appointment, and uh, the doctor had encouraged her to do uh, a reduction mm. uh, for the livelihood of, of the other babies. Wow. And uh, Nicole had shared that with several of us in the class, and uh, and just hearing that, um, I think there was something that just hit a lot of our core in that, um, the depth of, of that appointment for her. And so uh, several of us who are actively involved in CORE, one of the DU classes, right. uh, took the time to to pray over Nicole and mm. her husband and her family, not sharing any of their names, but just wanting to cover them in prayer. Absolutely. And uh, it was shortly after that that we had shared that with Nicole, that we were praying with her, and uh, the emotion that she experienced mm. in just talking to her was so heartfelt. And it wasn't too much longer after that that they decided to come check out Calvary, check wow. out CORE, and then COVID hit yeah. <laughs> as they are nearing the end of their pregnancy. And, and actually the, the triplets are about a month old now. Yes. Um, but, and, and even this morning I was, I was texting with her and she was just sharing how grateful she was wow. to continue to be covered and not only um, are helped in a lot of those tangible things like meals and things like that, that yeah. people have signed up for, yeah. but, but more than that, to have those prayers just cover her and her husband continuously. She specifically expressed just how um, how grateful she was for that. And I think that is a testament to even what you were just saying in terms of like, yes, like it's great to have those identifiers of we are in the same DU class, but it's, it's a completely different level of intimacy yeah. when yes. you are praying for one another Absolutely. and alongside one another Absolutely. in those circumstances. So, I got yeah. to meet uh, George, Nicole, and yeah. all four of their kids right? yes, uh, yes. at uh, w uh, one of the outdoor services maybe just a couple of weeks yeah. ago. And so it was great to meet them in person for the first time uh, for me. And uh, it's just such a blessing to see the babies, their whole family. Yes, and yeah. uh, it was just uh, an incredible thing. And so um, that's just kind of probably all of us gives us goosebumps as we think about that, mm -hmm. right? It's just a, an amazing thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also kind of think about too, and and some of the other families and, and testimonies that have been shared with me. Uh, it wasn't too much long too long ago that uh, Michelle Lindbergh experienced the loss of her mother right. um, to cancer, and uh, in the midst of that taking place, I know that Michelle felt very supported by her church family as she grieved the loss of her mom. Right. Uh, at the same time, we also had people that were empowered and wanted to take on helping others in the community. Uh, specifically, Becca Lahoxy was um, working towards helping some Midland families that oh, experienced wow. um, losing everything oh, with the flood. And, with the flood. Yes. And, uh, and then I think of also Don Baker was working with one of her birth mothers who was getting out of a terrible situation. And, through Bethany. Uh, yes, yep. through Bethany, Bethany uh, Christian Services. And, and again, started with nothing, lost everything, and was right. trying to start anew. And uh, in the midst of Michelle experiencing that loss, our church family was able to come alongside her, and, and her and Craig were so willing to uh, share some of those things that were her mother's belongings, like furniture and things wow. like that, to help those families yeah. start new and, and their loss that they experienced. Um, so just the depth of that connection and how yeah. God has just so creatively and uniquely intertwined those families um, through that is just, it's it's very unique and, and only God ordained. And yeah. so um, it's just a, a really cool testament to how he's continuing to work and the families of Calvary and people even outside of Calvary to yeah. allow us to connect with other people. That's awesome. And you, and you think about like even just, and there's two examples, like I said, we could talk for another yes, hour yeah, about those yeah. things, but that when you think about that, the, the joy and the anticipation of 
but also, you know, with the, with the news that George and Nicole had received about, about, about the risk of the pregnancy, of course, just triplets themselves, but the kind of the joy of that. And then on the other side, kind of the life cycle and mm -hmm. just walking uh, someone and being there with them uh, through the death of a parent. And uh, I've experienced that as well. And that's, uh, that can be very difficult. And then the, but then also kind of the, the, the intimacy there, but then the practical love, right, yeah. of the way in which it was demonstrated is that that's just like uh, koinonia being lived out. Um, so as you also heard, one of the things I'd love for you to kind of share us with is, you know, we kinda like, we're kind of doing a little bit of a, of a Jesus way of doing things. It's kind of like we want to invite people into this depth of, of intimacy, but we also want to challenge them a little bit mm -hmm. toward, because this requires investment, right? It's not something, it's something we have to prioritize. So is there any words of challenge you'd like to share with us as, as the church family here today? For sure. I, I have been very challenged in this same exact thing, especially in the last several months. Uh, I know me personally, I'm a doer and I, I, I do things and, and I'm thinking that that's, you know, helping in that mission of, of helping others follow Jesus. And I've been very convicted in that is, is what I'm doing really aligned with what God has called me to do. And, yeah, that's good. Um, and, but in regards to that, so that's just something I personally have been, have been trying to reflect on. Um, but I've also been thinking as a church family and as a community of believers, a lot of what you've already shared in terms of the investment that it takes, it's, it's a commitment yeah, and absolutely. it requires constant stewardship. Yeah. Um, and I think of our life. Of yes, our time. exactly. Yeah, this is not something like helping people follow Jesus together is not something that we're going to accomplish in a, in a set yes. timeline. Right. right, right, right. Um, it's going to be an ongoing growing process for us. And I'm sure. grateful that we get to do it alongside one another. Um, but I would say in regards to a challenge, I think I would challenge people to, to make that commitment yeah. to the investment, yeah. to, to not have the expectation that it is going to happen overnight or within a certain period of, of time of you meeting someone, but that it takes time. And in order to achieve that level of intimacy pe with people, it requires you to invest in building a relationship yeah. with them. It's not yeah. something we can't just have this approach. And I think that's a lot of times what people are fearful of, of they feel like they have to, you know, immediately share the word of God with somebody, yeah. which is definitely an important part sure. of it. But, sure. um, um, but so I would say I want to challenge people on that in making that investment and looking at how to be more intimate with others. We have to, to understand that there's a commitment involved. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also think about just the cost. You know, I hmm. for us, a lot of times we we can't have that expectation of it's going to be something that comes easy or natural. Like right. it does. It costs. It takes our time, our energy. Um, there might be something that you decide not to do because you're going to spend time with someone else. Yes, you, yeah. You know, you were going to whatever, do something fun or whatever. Not yes, that, yeah. that spending time isn't fun, but that, that level of really practical, mm -hmm. you know, uh, decision-making that it ends up costing you something. Yes, right? for sure. Yeah. And, um, which are just tangible things. Yeah. But I think when you look at, at the fruit that comes yeah, out of that absolutely. investment, yeah. um, it, it certainly outweighs the time or the, you know, the worldly things that we want to cling to often. Yes. Uh, I also think about, um, just our calling, mm. you know, we, um, I think it's important for us to be aligned and it's so easy for us to say these things sometimes, but <laughs> to actually live it out is a little differently. Right. Um, but I think of like, 
uh, the verse in, in 1 Corinthians 12, um, I think it's verse 18, and, and we're reminded that, that the body is, is arranged by God himself. Yeah, and we have an active role and responsibility and participating and not just the life of, of Calvary or the life of whatever, you know, but we have a, a responsibility to live in our calling of his body. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I would just, I would encourage people to, to really take the time to, to meditate on that with the Lord and what their specific calling is with them. Um, I was thinking about, you know, we have our life groups that are, are taking, that right. started yeah. um, during COVID. And I had the opportunity to talk with somebody recently and, and sharing this, knowing that they, with their permission, but um, they were just talking about how challenging it is to be able to serve people during this time, you mm -hmm. know, with certain restrictions and things like yeah, that. Exactly. Um, and, and a lot of the life groups have shared that they've been able to serve more as individuals, but they're looking forward to being able to serve as a group. And yeah, some of them have, have already started, right. um, have started arranging things like that with yeah. some of our partners. But specifically, this person had talked about how she doesn't know how to use what God has equipped her with to be able to help somebody like in a, mm. in a way that's connected to her as well. Yeah. And, and through Consistent our, with her gifts yes, and her calling. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Right, right. And through our conversation, uh, she was able to share, I mean, her background is finance and, uh, not only is that like something that she's been trained in, but it's something she loves and mm. she's just passionate mm -hmm. about. And so we were kind of in the conversation talking about how, um, just, the increase in unemployment right now yeah. and the yeah. different things that people are experiencing and along uh, different different financial hardships. And and she kind of in our conversation realized that she has this gift of a financial advisory that she could be able to use to help people yeah. in the community that maybe are struggling with something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. And so it was just a really, you know, unique way of just uh, of her having that come that realization that God's given her these gifts, yeah. very specific and, and to her personality. Right. Um, and for her to be able to seek and try and understand how she can use that, not yeah. just for, you know, work and things like that, but to help somebody to right now. To strengthen the body. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, for That's sure. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you, you sharing with us, Bobby Lee. I certainly want to encourage as well people, if they have questions, yeah. if there's a way in which they, uh, you know, just want to know more about how can I get more connected and, and what are some, um, some pathways to do that, I'm sure they can reach out to you. Email you, uh, bobbylee.bar, right, at cbcjoy.org. Yes, yep, yep, uh, yeah. And so uh, if you reach out to Bobby Lee, I'm sure she'd love uh, to talk to you about uh, living uh, more deeply in Koinonia. So if we were here in person, I'd say, let's give Bobby Lee a round of applause. <laughs> so online, why don't you go ahead and clap in your homes for Bobby Lee. Thanks <laughs> thank so much. Thank you so much, yeah. Dave. So Bobby Lee, uh, you know, really, uh, thank you so much, Rich. Bobby Lee mentioned an aspect that uh, I kind of want to uh, wrap up with today, and that's this. This idea that as we, as we live in community, what happens is if we embrace that level of intimacy to which we're called, if we, if we are willing to be invested at that level that, that God, again, God has called us to, then what we find is we ultimately become connected. We're not like these disconnected individuals, like it's just me and God doing my, our own thing, but instead we do actually become connected as a family. This is what kind of a, a, a result, one of the results of Koinonia is that we are people who are deeply connected with one another. We also are people who are contributing to one another. Bobby Lee alluded to that reality. We, there is one body, but there are many parts. She used the example of somebody who has a gift and gifting and a passion and a calling in finance. 
That might not be yours at all, but guess what? That's okay. There's one in which you can use your unique perspective, your, your, your unique abilities, your personality, your experiences, so that you can be one who's contributing. Because ultimately, what it's all about is, is becoming people who live in this kind of like one another reality. Not, a, not an individual reality, but a, a one another reality. Uh, the phrase uh, one another is actually, it comes from the Greek word alelon. And, and that what can mean one another, each other, mutually, reci- reciprocally. It's something that occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. Another, and of those 100 occurrences, 59 of them are specific commands that teach us how we do and do not relate to one another. The, the, you, you shouldn't be surprised that the number one uh, occurrence of those commands is that we would love one another. That one occurs at least 16 times in the New Testament. So it's clear, again, as we relate to one another, as we live this one another koinonia reality, that loving one another becomes that foundational thing. But I would suggest then that what happens is it becomes the springboard for all of the other one another's. And again, this isn't something because God wants us to live in koinonia. He has all of these, like I said, 59 of them. 59 of these occurrences are our commands, our imperatives, our, our charges to us, exhortations to us uh, that we would live in this. So there are things like be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, be like-minded towards one another, accept one another, admonish one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear, bear one another's needs, forgive one another, be patient with one another, speak the truth to one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Consider one another. Bear with, teach, and comfort, encourage, and the list goes on and on and on. There's also a a few uh, commands by negation where we're not to lie to one another. We're not to pass judgment on one another. We don't keep on biting and devouring one another. The scripture, again, the, the New Testament is filled, 100 occurrences, 59 of them commands, filled with how we live this out. Is this a challenge? Absolutely. Does it come naturally? I don't think it does. Maybe for some people a little bit more naturally, but I, I think the supernatural component should never be like dismissed or minimized. We need the power of the Holy Spirit filling us up so that we can live in koinonia, so that we can live out these commands of, of one another, so that we can live in intimacy with one another and be invested in one another. So that's what I, what I want to invite you to consider today. How is it that God would be calling you to take the next step toward loving others in the family of God? And how, how are you going to go about walking in obedience to that calling that he has on your life right now? I just want to mention that if you want to talk to someone even right now about that, there's a link that will drop in uh, to that chat feature of the stream you're watching. Uh, and if you click on that, it's, 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 a, it's an app called Talk To. It'll take you out uh, to a, a private conversation with one of our staff persons. And, and we can even talk to you today, right now, about how you could become uh, more deeply connected in the body of Christ. And for the rest of you, again, if you ever have any questions about uh, what that looks like practically. But I, I just want to challenge you today to consider how God might be inviting you to take that next step in your spiritual progression as you walk more deeply in love with one another. Remember that verse that I shared with you from before, from 1 Peter chapter 1. We've, we've purified ourselves by, simply by receiving the truth. God has made us pure. We have this sincere, this, this not fake 
love for one another. So then from that pure heart that we've been given, we are called to love one another constantly, earnestly, fervently, intensely. How is it that God is calling you to do that starting even today? Before the worship team comes up and, and wraps, up, wraps uh, up the service with a song, uh, let's pray together over that, okay? Bow your heads with me. Thank you, God, for this invitation into real family, a forever family, a family of divine origin. And I pray, God, that today we, we wouldn't see that only about just like I'm, 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 I'm in it, <laughs> but we would see it instead about well, what's, what's our, contri- our contribution? What's our investment? How are we, uh, like Bobby Lee was saying, how are we you know, uh, accepting the responsibility that comes with being a part of this incredible family of God? God, we all do that imperfectly. I do. Every person watching this stream, every person who's, who's here uh, in, in the lobby putting the service together with me, we all do it imperfectly. But we pray that you would fill us uh, up more with your Holy Spirit, that you would help us, Lord, to walk in, in more, deep, uh, uh, more deeply in obedience to your word so that we can be those people who love one another deeply, constantly, fervently, from this pure heart that you've given us. Take us, Lord, take us as a church family to a place perhaps that we've never been before in the way that we relate to one another. May our love for each other begin to look more and more like your love for us. We pray in the incredible name of Jesus. Amen.